I just want to get right into the word. But there is something on the right-hand side of the page that I want us to begin with today. There is a principle in the Bible. How many of you know there are, there's a difference between a principle and a law? Okay. You know what we said when we were all teenagers about laws? Laws were made to be broken. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, like when you first got your driver's license. You know? I remember back in the 80s a group called Van Halen, for those of you that are old like me and you remember good old classic rock music, you know, Van Halen. They had a song called, I Can't Drive 55. It was, it was all about that, you know. Laws are made to be broken, see. Uh, now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for how many today can't drive 65. I've been on the road with some of you. And uh, I think they keep upping it, see. Um, Laws are made to be broken, and Jesus broke them all. The world was dominated by religious law. This is what you do to be in relationship with Jehovah. And Jesus came and broke them all down. In fact, Jesus took all of the laws and went back to the original Ten Commandments, which were not laws. They were the beginning of a love letter from the creator God to humanity who had forgotten who he was. And so God gathers a group of people, brings them to a mountain out of captivity, out of slavery, out of bondage, out of mistreatment, out of hatred, out of being despised. You know one of the main reasons that Israel was despised in Egypt? For those of you that don't know the biblical story, but maybe you do, let me shed a different light on it. They were angry at Israel because Israel was blessed and they were not. They were angry at Israel because Israel prospered while their cattle died. They were angry because Israel had fresh water while theirs got cursed and turned into blood. There was a difference between the people in Goshen and us and they hated them because what they had in Goshen they wanted. And so God pulls them out Brings them to a mountain and begins to introduce himself to them saying, I am God. I'm paraphrasing. This is the JYJR version. Buy it at Mardell's for $39.95. He pulls them to the mountain and he says, you, you've been in Egypt with all the many gods, but I am the only God. I am the true God and you will worship me. And worship me only. In fact, of all the other gods that you think you know, I am to be the first God. You're to put me first. Not only am I the only God and the God you're supposed to put first, I'm going to teach you who I am and you're to honor my name. He begins to introduce himself to them. That's what the Ten Commandments originally were. They were the basis of a relationship. Every relationship you have has principles. You know, when you get married, there is a principle. You don't need a law that says you don't go sleeping around on your wife, men. You don't need a law. That's a principle that undergirds the relationship. Right? 
You don't need a law that says you shouldn't lie to your spouse. That's a principle that undergirds the relationship. You don't need a law for that. What you need a law for are the things that you know you should do, but you don't want to do them. That's what you need a law for. And so God begins this introduction to humanity at this mountain, at Mount Sinai, with these ten commandments, these, these ten principles. And man just goes nuts because at the end of the day, we want to be the God for ourselves. And throughout human history, we see the same thing repeating over and over and over again, over and over and over again. It's, a, it's like humanity consistently tries to find ways to make themselves the center of their own world. We even see it happening in Christianity right now. Not right now. It's not new. Listen to me. The greatest thing that has ever happened to us is grace. Because grace covers all the laws. And where what we couldn't do with the law, grace covers. And grace is, now. just come to me. Just come home. Just come home. That's what we were singing about. That's why the prodigal story is so important to you. That's why you ought to really get to know it because every one of you are a prodigal at some point in your life. Some of you right now. And we're at different stages. Some of us think the key to happiness is having stuff and having money. And the money will drive us away from home. And the stuff will drive us away from home. And then we think, well, what will make me, make me happy is having a bunch of friends and being important and being needed, which is exactly where the prodigal son went. And, and that's what will happen. For some of you, your friends are more important than your relationship with your father. And our friends will pull us away from home. Our friends will take what we thought we knew and twist it and, and we'll begin to believe something we, we didn't really believe before. Until... God in his loving mercy allows us to take these journeys knowing full well where this journey will lead. And the journey will lead to us in the midst of a crisis and in a pit and alone. And everything that we had put our faith in is gone. Everything that we thought made us important is gone. Everybody that we drew on for self-sufficiency is gone. And we're right there in the midst of a horrible place. And the only thing we have left to do is to go back home. And we come back home. See, a lot of people come back home and they think that means church. This ain't home. My relationship with my father is home. And I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about him. And many of us come back to the father at various times. And we come back just like the prodigal. If I can just be a servant. If I can just be the lowest of the low. But just be in, in the grounds. If I can just get in the gate. I will take the lowest spot. Just let me come home. And the father blows your mind with the scandal of grace that says you're not a servant. I'm going to put you right back where you were. I'm going to put the ring right back on your finger. I'm going to put the robe right back on you. And I'm going to restore to you everything you squandered. That's grace. But grace is not about us becoming who we want to be. Grace is about setting the table so we can become like him. Amen. 
And the only way that happens is in a relationship. And one of the principles that undergirds our relationship with God is this principle of what you do with the first determines what happens with the rest. Call it whatever you want. It's a principle. What you do with the first determines what happens with the rest. You can look at this in various ways. I want to show you one today. We have a rhythm at New Life that we want to invite you, encourage you. It's not a law. It's not a requirement. Today, I want to invite you to come home and to deepen your relationship with the only one who matters. So beginning tomorrow, we're setting aside 21 days to fast and pray. Now, if you are, if you are new to Christianity or whatever, everybody's got differing ideas of fasting. In the first five minutes right now, I want you to listen to me. I want to unpack to you our what we believe God has showed us about fasting. Fasting is not a law, it's an exchange. It is a setting aside of something important to me personally and to give extra special attention to something that is even more important to me spiritually. Now for some people, the basic idea is fasting of food. Why? Because you got to have it. All right? Don't fast water, but you can fast food. I know you don't believe it, but you can. When Jesus went and fasted 40 days and nights in the wilderness, I promise you he drank water. <laughs> okay? Your body can go a lot longer without food than it can water. All right? But for some people, that's the end of their idea of fasting, is you just fast food. It's starving yourself. Why is fasting important? Because Jesus said, those who, those who love me will deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Listen to me. You can't take up your cross if you don't learn to deny you. And we live in a culture where if we're not careful, we are getting seeped into you being the center of your world and what you want. Well, grace lets me do whatever I want. No, no, no. Grace sets the table for you to become like Christ. And if you belong to him, then it's doing whatever Christ says, not whatever you want. And that's been a journey I've been on. <laughs> I'm still on it. I'm not there. But I'm on it. So how we approach fasting is we truly believe when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, you have the ability to hear God for yourself. Yes, you do. I can't tell you how many people I've met over the last two years who have told me, I've never heard God. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. You just haven't spent enough time to recognize his voice from yours. Because you know what? He won't sound like Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. I wish he would. It would make it so much easier. From my cold, dead hands, you know. That would be so much easier. But do you know who God sounds like? You. Do you know why? Because you came from him. You're created in his image. You got his spiritual DNA inside of you. He'll speak to you into your mind. 
That's why we have to spend time learning his thoughts from our thoughts. I was talking with someone this week. By the way, I'm just going to praise God. I got to lead six people to Jesus this week. So, yeah, praise God. Now, I was speaking with this, per- this one person, and the conversation simply started because, you know, I've been around guys. I've been in locker rooms, and all of you parents who think your, your boys are, are pristine, maybe they are. I've been in locker rooms. I've heard them talk, okay? I'm just not used to hearing ladies cuss like sailors. I don't know. That just blows my mind, you know? It's like, wow, you're saying words I didn't even think to say, you know? And this one lady was just asking me, we were just, we were talking, and she's, and uh, we've gotten to know each other, and she said, you know, I really need to quit cussing, and I don't know how. And I was just joking with her, I didn't think she was being serious, but she was, she said, I really want to change this in my life, how do, how do I do this, you know, blah, 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 and I said, well, are you asking me as me or as a minister? And she said, well, aren't you the same? I said, good job. <laughs> I said, but, but, but Casey, please understand, I'm first a Christ follower and a minister last. Okay, I'm just a Christ follower like everybody else. And what if I told you that the Bible actually tells you how to change your life? And we opened up the Bible and we went to Hebrews. Not this Bible. You know, the one on your phone. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Dad the other day. I was like, Dad, can you, isn't it a great day and time we can carry our sword everywhere? And I opened it up and we went to Hebrews and just read to her how that the, the true way to transform your, transform your life is by renewing your mind, changing the way you think. It's all here. The problem with us is we love the gooey feelings. I do. But we've got to let the gooey feelings train, transform what we think and how we think and how we view things. Fasting and prayer is one of the ways that that happens. Okay. So, how we approach the 21 days. We want you, and we're going to in a moment, we're going to ask you to pray and listen. God, what do you want me to do? For some of you, a good fast would be whatever your, you know, it needs to be a sacrifice. Don't make it easy on yourself, okay? Don't say, I'm going to go without pecan pie. Sorry, we're not in the South. Pecan pie, honey. I'm going to go without pecan pie. When you don't have pecan pie at your house, that's not a real fast. Okay. All right. It needs to be a sacrifice. Something you're giving up in exchange for seeking God and spending more time focusing on the Lord, reading, reading the Bible, praying, listening to worship music, <laughs> setting, taking a walk and listening to God speak to you. So for some of you, you know, maybe a couple hours of TV that you blow in the evening or an hour of TV you blow in the evening would be a really good fast for you. Maybe for some of you, changing the music you listen to would be a good fast for you. For those of you that are a little more spiritually advanced, fasting some of that as well as food, denying yourself. For some of you, maybe you want to do a complete fast. That's just fasting all foods. Um, I personally try to do that for the first. I, I Listen, my goal this year is seven days. <laughs> I haven't gone past five before. But that's my goal. 
You listen to what God tells you to do. For 21 days, set something aside, and in its place, spend time seeking God, listening and learning His voice. Because I promise you, He's speaking to you all the time, and He wants you to know His voice. It's a principle, not a law. With that, for the next three weeks, I want to share with you a series that I've called Teach Us to Pray. And it's built off of this famous story, and I want us to start today with Mark 1.35. I want to show you Jesus. I want to show you that Jesus did pray. The Son of God prayed. The Son of God set time away from others to pray. Now listen, if Jesus felt the need to pray, how much more do we need to? Very early in the morning. Oh, wouldn't you just like to scratch that line out? Why very early in the morning? Because what you do with the first affects the rest. And if you'll start your day focused on the Father, it's amazing how the Father just interweaves himself into your day. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, there's, ooh, yeah. Pretty easy for us right now because, you know, it's dark till 7. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Say that with me. Solitary place. Again, solitary place. I have, in the last two years, been able to be with two incredible people. Of course, mom. And uh, for those of you that had never been in my mom's house, she had the this room. It was a weird room. It really was. Like you walk in and it's a bedroom, and then there's this thing that looks like a closet, but you open the door and there's this office back in here, a secluded place. And I remember after she passed, going in multiple times and just sitting in that chair, knowing I was in her place. That she had a place that she carved out for herself and God, finding notes of communications between her and the Father. You know, radical, crazy stuff. But the secret of why so many people came to her for prayer when they could have done it themselves if they would have just pulled away and found a place and said, this is my place for me and the Father. Then recently, I got to go to celebrate the passing of another great lady. What is it about the ladies, guys? Come on. I went to another funeral of another great lady, 103, 103 years old. The woman had everything that you think you could ever want. And at this gathering, the story that hit me the hardest was how that as she got older, and was living alone. Her husband had passed. She would get agitated with people. And 
this person would tell her, you, you just need to go to bed and go to your room. And she wouldn't argue. Okay. She would go to her room and she would shut the door, but there was a closet. And in that closet was a chair. And she would go and she would sit in that closet and close the door and read her Bible and pray. Two women who did incredible things, but the thing they had in common was a powerful prayer life that upgirded them in every situation of their life. And I'm here to tell you, you have the same opportunity and the same ability if you will follow the guide of Jesus who very early set aside the first part of his day and got away and got alone where he prayed. But we all have barriers, don't we? Let me give you some bolder barriers of why a lot of us don't pray. I'm going to go through these really quickly. One reason why people don't pray is, well, they feel obligated. It's an obligation. It's a law. I feel obligated. I don't, it's, there's no life in it because I'm obligated to pray. I understand that. I felt that way at times. And that becomes a boulder, which becomes a barrier to your prayer life. Another reason, I don't know what to say because, see, we think prayer is about what we say. Yeah, we do. I was in Quito, Ecuador. No, Lima, Peru. I was in uh, Lima, Peru. It um, went, I was on a missions trip, and we went to the service. I wasn't speaking, but my, one of our leaders was, and me and my, my buddy, my roommate, we were there. We were the young ones, and, and we were sitting on the front row listening to this guy speak through an interpreter. It was amazing and weird and all this jazz. Anyway, but in this little in this little. This little city in this country, we started at 7, there was 10 people. By 7.30, man, they were hanging in the windows, over 400 people crammed in this little place. And he preached. And then, without telling us beforehand, we hear him speak, and he, said, he calls us up. And he calls my friend to one side and me to the other, and we're standing there not knowing what's about to happen. And then we hear him say, anybody who wants prayer, these two young men are going to pray for you. From the back comes two guys, sorry if I cry, I don't care. From the back comes two guys carrying an old woman. And I'm thinking, please let them go over there. <laughs> of course not. They come and stand in front of me. And it was, anyway. And I'm standing there and this is the conversation in my mind. What do I say? They don't know what, they don't even know my language. How am I to pray for these people? And I did what, the only thing I knew to do. I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in the power of God. But man, I've been pushed over before, if you know what I'm talking about. And, I, and ever since that experience, I am so jealous for the presence of God that I'll pray for you. I'll touch you, but it'll be very light. And we're going to let God do whatever God wants to do. But no, I don't want anybody to ever think I'm doing something. You know what I'm saying? And so I did. I asked for permission to touch this lady while she's being held by these two men. And I put my fingers on her forehead. And in my mind, I'm going, this makes no sense. My words, they're not going to matter. And I, I don't even remember what I prayed. But I do remember that in the middle of my prayer, I heard five pops. And she screamed, and the boys dropped her, and she stood up and ran around, and her boys fell to her knees and cried out to Jesus. She had spina bifida, twisting of her spine, and God did a chiropractic adjustment right there. And I had nothing to do with it, because it's not about your words. It's about your obedience. 
That experience has changed my life, and I'm not going to stop until we see crutches hanging on the walls of this church. We must have the power of God again. But we won't have it if we can't figure out how to pray first. I don't know what to say. Another boulder. I don't think he listens. It's not like he sleeps. Here's another one. I didn't get an answer. Oh, yeah, you did. You just didn't get the one you wanted. I prayed for my mom to get healed, and she got healed. Because death is the ultimate healing. Yeah. You didn't get the, the answer you wanted. And so because of that, you draw away from prayer. But please understand, from God's perspective, he knows more than you do. He sees more than you do. And sometimes no is the best thing he could ever say. I mean, look at what hap- think about what happens if everybody got what they wanted. Just, just, just go watch some movies about, about guys who get the power of God. And, and I remember one I'm thinking about right now. And he thought he'd be cool. And he turned prayer into an email system. And, and he, he, he called it Yahweh. And so, and so all these emails come in. And he doesn't, some of you know the movie I'm talking about. I think it's funny. And he, instead of, he got tired of answering him. And he just went control C, Y, yes to everyone. Boom. And the world went to heck. Because getting what you want is not always what's right for you. I didn't get an answer. Because of all these, here's the big one. Here's the real reason why a lot of us don't pray. Because deep down inside, we don't trust him. I don't trust him. I don't trust that he cares for me. These are just a few boulders that become barriers to our prayers. But let me tell you what I see For new life in 2023. And not just for new life. But I see this for a lot of places. And I've just actually written it out for you. I see a church. Where people have found. A relationship with God. Instead of religion. And where living for God. Is no longer a duty. But becomes a delight. That's what I want us to be. We're not driven by religion, but we are driven by a relationship. The pillar of relationships is communication. And it's not a duty, but it's something we learn to delight in is having a relationship with God. Because I believe 2023, things are going to escalate. I believe we are in a season where those that belong to God are going to be separated from those who do not. And I believe in America, we have fake ministers and we have fake followers. And I believe that God is separating the ministers whose hearts are his and the followers whose hearts are his. And we're going to start seeing a chasm begin to develop even within the church. I really do believe it. The question is, which side of the line are you going to be on? Are you going to be addicted to you or are you going to be committed to him? When I was a kid... My parents bought me these toys, and I'm, I just, give me 15 more minutes. My parents bought me these toys. I loved them. They were these plastic bo- blocks, and they came in all kinds of colors, and you could build all kinds of stuff with them. Loved Legos until I had a child. You want to know what pain is? 
Pain is walking through your house in the middle of the night stepping on a Lego. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Wow. But those basic little blocks. So simple. The things that I've seen kids build with Legos. How it starts something in them that eventually turns into them falling in love with roller coasters and building roller coasters that would just blow your mind in their bedroom out of stuff. And that leading to them someday building buildings and drawing buildings and becoming so creative that they blow your mind. Where did it start? Little bitty Lego blocks that you just stepped on in the middle of the night. Basic stuff. Sometimes we get way too complicated. Let me give you some basic building blocks to having a relationship and a prayer time with God. Luke 11.1. 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. A certain place. Get that? As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray and we're going to take his famous prayer and break it down into four simple blocks that you can begin with number one start with worship start with worship let me tell you something that i've learned about worship we've we've morphed it into something that i don't think it really is but we'll go with where we are for a lot of us worship is music and you don't want to know why um, music in the church is so divisive because worship is, is personal. Worship is personal. And we all have personal styles and personal tastes. And so one of the great miracles is when all of our personals can come together and find some cohesive way to worship a God in spite of our personals, that becomes incredible. Because worship, when we come together, is not about me, it's about Him. And when I'm alone, worship is not about me, it's about Him. Start with worship, however that is for you. For me, it's what we call soaking music. I put it on, some of you would go to sleep, because some of you need to go to sleep because you don't rest enough. It's one of the things I've, no, seriously, that's one of the things I've learned. I I remember talking to my dad and my mom one time when I really started this prayer journey about five years ago. And I told them, I'm like, I can't, I go about 10 minutes, I fall asleep. And finally my dad said, because you're not resting. And he told me, go look at how many times God talked to people while they rest in the Bible. You know what? Sometimes we're just tired. And we're so tired that we can't hear him. That sometimes he just needs us to. Lay down. Create an atmosphere of his presence. Put on some soaking music. Some of you can find it on YouTube. Come on, man. Anybody can find it. Just put on some music and just relax in the presence of the Father. Those who rest will renew their strength. But whatever worship is, start with worship. Spend some time worshiping him. That's what Jesus said. In fact, he carries it on. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. What's he saying? Worship him. Because it's about him. Get your eyes off you. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. John 4.23. But the time is coming and indeed is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Hmm. So worship isn't about your fleshly likes or dislikes. 
It's about your spiritual connection. And it's based in truth. Listen to me. The truth is you're never disconnected from him. You're always connected. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but fear not. But I will always be with you. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. I am always connected. Once you get connected, you're always connected. The lie is that you're not. The truth is you're always There's the truth. I'm always connected. So worshiping really should be pretty simple. Just shift your focus on him. Start with worship. The Father is looking for those who will worship him this way. I would encourage you to start your prayer time every day with worship. Just however you want to. Secondly, reorient your view. Prayer will help you to reorient your view. You only find the prayer that Jesus taught here in two places. You find it in Luke 11 and you find it in Matthew 6. I'm going to jump to Matthew 6. We're a little more familiar with that one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's it about? Him. What should the goal of our prayer be? Father, may your kingdom come. Your will be done. We've got man's kingdom and it stinks. We need your kingdom to come. We need your will to be done. Father, may I not do my will today, but may I do your will today. True worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. Guess what? I am righteous, not because of what I do or don't do, say or don't say, drink or don't drink, eat or don't eat. I'm righteous because he is righteous and I'm found in him. Agreed? The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Father. Every day, there is something God wants you to do. There is some place God wants you to encounter him. Every single day, the steps of the righteous are ordered, are laid out. That's why every day as I wrap up my prayer time, I pray over my body. And I get to my feet, and I pray over my feet every single day. Feet. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. I am righteous today because of Jesus Christ who is in me. You have one responsibility, to find the next footprint that God has laid in front of you, and we will step boldly and surely with strength and with power into what God has for us today. Amen. Steps right, you're ordered. You need to orient your view back to Him. Yes. Not just you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I'm going to meddle for a minute and a half. Let's stop worrying about what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter. It's going to get worse. It's going to get bad. The darker it gets out there, the stronger the light should stand out. Keep our focus on his kingdom. His kingdom is here. And his kingdom wants to be manifested in your life. But some of us have been lied to believe we're in a pig pen when God has made you to be a prince in the kingdom. And he wants his kingdom to come through you. But you've got to get connected to the Father. You've got to get your view oriented to his perspective so that you can step boldly into what he wants you to do. Thirdly, start with worship. Reorient your view. Then thirdly, take time to listen. Here's the next statement Jesus makes in the prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Of course, they would have known what this meant quickly. This ties to the experience of the manna, 
where they had to go out every day and get manna. And if they kept the manna and tried to eat it the next day, it would spoil on them. They had to go every day to get it. I want you to know that God is always talking and he has something for us every single day. And if we'll start with worship, get him, get him first. Focus from his perspective that, man, we can walk out and we can say, Lord, speak to me today. How does he speak to you? He's always speaking. The problem is, are we listening? Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. I want to read it to you out of the message. I just love this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He is the one who keeps you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Mm. Run to God. Run from evil. And look what's going to happen. Your body will glow with health and your bones will vibrate with life if you'll spend time and learn to listen to Him. Start with worship. Reorient your view to His perspective. Learn to listen. Spend time actively listening. Now, let, let, me, let me show you how, what active listening looks like. Take a walk with your eyes open. Because God's speaking to you all around you. Read His Word. Listen. Spend time thinking about Him. Learn to listen. And fourthly, fourth building block. Live a life of forgiveness. Now grab this. The point of his prayer was this right here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why? Because forgiveness begins there. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What's his kingdom? Forgiveness. Grace. Mercy. Your will be done. I don't want to forgive. But I'm going to do your will today. On earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what this world needs? A whole bunch of forgiveness. Solve a lot of our problems if we learn to forgive each other. And forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Now when Jesus made this statement, he hadn't gone to the cross to purchase our forgiveness yet. I am forgiven. I have been forgiven. Everything that I have ever done or will ever do is already forgiven. That's the scandal of grace. That's the difference between before the cross and after the resurrection. I am forgiven. That means I have no excuse not to forgive. You can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it this way. To the level that you forgive others is the level that God will forgive you. He did say that. You can actually handcuff the most powerful being in the universe by not forgiving somebody. Or you can take it to the next level and say, you know what? I've been forgiven everything I could ever do to the one who created me and the one who loves me 
how can I not forgive those who say things to me, do things to me? How can I not be to somebody else what the Father always is to me? I don't care how long you've been on the prodigal road. The Father's response, if you'll come home, is always the same. He'll always restore you back to the relationship He designed you to have. It doesn't matter. How can we not do that with others? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Ephesians 4.32 To be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God through Christ, now here it is, has. Do you notice the difference? When Jesus, before the cross, said, forgive others as the Father has forgiven you. But then Paul, on the backside of the resurrection, says, as Christ has forgiven you. Who do you need to release forgiveness to in your life? That might be a focus for you for these 21 days. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to let go of? What do I need to release? Four simple building blocks that you can build a prayer life on. Start with worship. Reorient your view to His. Take time to listen and live a life of forgiveness. As I close today and we pray, I don't think... I've ever seen a time really in recent mindset for me where prayer has been so talked about in our culture. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I was watching Monday Night Football six days ago. I watched as a seemingly harmless tackle was made in a Buffalo Bills game. I watched the guy make the tackle fall to the ground for the Buffalo Bills, stand up, was up for about five seconds, and I saw him collapse on the field. It looked harmless. We've since learned that only about 30 times a year does this actually happen. There is a medical syndrome that um, after the heart has beat, there is a fraction of a time frame that if, once it beats, it's vulnerable. And if you get an impact, normally it's from a baseball or a softball. It's some unguarded impact to the chest. It can disrupt the rhythm of the heart. It can impact the heart. It can damage it to where blood, water begins to flood in. And it can cause you to lose consciousness. And, and, and just, you're gone. And oxygen is cut off from the brain. There is a medical condition this is called. And to see them rush to this person. To see grown men weeping on the field because of what they saw. I've told you, I've been spending a couple of days in trauma uh, each week at OU Medical. Just something God's allowed me to do. And my whole orientation of things has changed. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking about what I see a couple of times, and I know what happens now in there. I, I'm just telling you, you come in, and the first thing, they're going to cut off clothes. They're going to call everything because they're trying to save your life. And, and so here are these football players, and they are watching these people cut a jersey off and cut pads off to try to put a defibrillator onto a person's chest to bring him back to life. And these grown men who are not trained to see it are broken. 
go throughout the week and hear this growing tsunami of sports people talking about prayer. And to have it culminate on Thursday on a program on ESPN called NFL Live where a former player took it to the next level and stopped the show and said this. this is a pretty good quote. You can go find the clip. We've been talking about prayer. The Buffalo Bills organization has said they believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. This may not be the right thing to do, but it's in my heart to do, and I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to bow my head, and I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to pray to God for this person. And he prays on air. A powerful, moving, honest prayer. Within it, he says, if we didn't believe in the power of prayer, we would ask you to get involved. But we lift Deshaun, his name, and we pray in your name. Maybe it's coincidence. It could be. It could be. But 24 hours later, they pulled the tube out of the man's throat, and he was talking to his family. He was writing notes to the doctors. And yesterday, he took a picture and put it on his social media for the first time in five days. Yesterday, two teams in one of the football games violated NFL rules. And every player and every coach gathered at the 50-yard line at a packed stadium and bent their knees in prayer. Today, all over the United States, at every football game, the teams are violating NFL rules. Why? Because rules are made to be broken. And they're gathering together at the 50-yard line and making a demonstration of prayer. Now, it could be a one-off. I give it to you. It can be a one-off. It can be a one-shot in the dark, a a flash in the pan. Or it could be There's a movement that says we recognize there are things that we cannot handle on our own. And the only place we can do is what that scripture said. We've got to run to God. And I'm here to tell you for the next 21 days, I'm asking you to consider running to God with me. And let's pray. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our communities. Let's pray to him.